Well, good morning, everyone. Happy day after the 4th of July. Happy, happy day after Independence Day. Uh, I hope you enjoyed your 4th of July celebration, hanging out with family and friends and maybe some fireworks before the earth burns up, <laughs> at least here in Walla Walla. Man, it's hot and dry. So I'm going to uh, say thank you to Larry and Melanie and Melita from the song team. That's just awesome. It's a great, great softening of our hearts for uh, um, a good foundational message, I believe, that, that God's placed on me to share with you today. So I'm going to kind of not just start right into it, but I'm going to kind of ease into it from an Independence Day perspective. Uh, First question I have is, uh, for you, who do you think is the most famous of our founding fathers here for this country? Go ahead. Thomas Jefferson, Abe Lincoln. Those are good. Mr. Signature, John Hancock, you bet. Ben Franklin. There's some... And... You know, having not actually been there and know these people the way we know each other here, um, all we know is by their writings and by what history tells us about them. But, you know, for me, Ben Franklin's kind of my founding father, if I were to look to one. Not not on the spiritual side of Ben Franklin, <laughs> trust me. <laughs> but, but on the, you know, a framer of the Constitution, an influencer of, of politics and... Um, as I, as I say that, I also wonder what some of his influences brought us to today, but that's a whole different subject. Um, in, in, in history books, Ben Franklin's widely considered to be the first American. Um, he's one that signed the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, excuse me. Um, he was a U.S.-born person, born in Massachusetts, and not only that, he was the oldest person to sign the Declaration of Independence. So a few little facts there. One of the things I, I respect most about him was he was an inventor. He had a logical, you know, scientific mind, if you will. Um, but, but I'm going to tag one more onto him that, that maybe you don't know about. And I'm going to call him the godfather of self-improvement. You know. Believe it or not, Ben Franklin was, at, at a young age of about 20, started on a personal journey to be a better Ben Franklin. And uh, he identified 13 virtues that uh, I'll, I'll kind of just list them off here. But um, And at age 20, he began to work on those, and he worked on those throughout his life. And he kept a scorecard or a report card. But he graded himself. So <laughs> he's a quirky guy, obviously. But those 13 virtues, and these are the order that, that, um, that he wrote them down in. And I suppose it has something to do with maybe an order of importance. But number one, temperance. Number two, silence. Number three, order. Number four, resolution. Number five, frugality. Number six, industry. Number seven, sincerity. Number eight, justice. 
Number nine, moderation. Number 10, cleanliness. Number 11, tranquility. Number 12, chastity. And number 13, humility. Which, by the way, is the subject of my message today. So, as I did a quick little internet search on Ben Franklin and these 13 virtues, guess what? There's an app for that now. You can get the 13 virtues on your cell phone and you can start keeping score and (laughs) become a better you. So, you know, the, the 13 virtues, are these are Ben Franklin's, and, they, you know, that's fine. Um, I, I find that the order to be most interesting, though, and I believe it's upside down. Uh, you know, why would you work on so many things that are uh, over the top of the building block of humility? Why don't you just work on humility? And, and Ben has his own reason for that. He says, uh, humility was one virtue that he really basically declared unobtainable. So as soon as he gave himself a passing grade in the area of humility, the old arm comes out, pride comes in, and he recognized that it was a fleeting virtue to work on because he had to begin again and start all over. So I, I want to explore the, the virtue of humility, though, from a Christian perspective and not from a humanist perspective because I, I believe that, that uh, Jesus was the missing ingredient in his search. So I want to explore this deeper on, on a spiritual level. And, of course, because we're here in church, it's going to be focused on Christ. And I think that Ben Franklin could have shortened his list way down to maybe five or six if he would have had Jesus in his heart the way I believe we do here. So so let's start on that little journey. And I hope that this isn't going to go on and on, maybe 50 minutes to an hour, <laughs> maybe 15. We'll see. <laughs> so Marcus and, and Pastor Matt have been sharing some glimpses, if you will, of some of the vision that we think that we've um, been impressed upon by God as elders for this church. And, and I want to dovetail into that. And, and specifically, you know, one of the things that we think God spoke to us is, is as a community of believers here is, is why, the, the why of Christ Community Fellowship, and, and we think it's to glorify God in everything. And, and then the how of that is that we obey God and we love God. And so we've got kind of at the center of, of our golden circle, if anybody knows what that is, is the why. We want to get to the why, and we believe that that's to glorify God. The next ring out is is how, and that is to obey and to love. So let's, let's kind of move, move on to the side of obeying God because um, from this we're going to see that, that he loves us and, and, and he commands us to, to love each other, which um, I find myself not always lovable, so I, I like that. But, oh, I have water. Thank you. Here. 
Yeah. Ooh. So the, the, the most simple and clear thought when we speak of humility is, um, and, and is to understand that this ultimate example is in the incarnation and the death of Jesus. So let's, ex- let's just explore that a little bit more. And the thought is that Jesus voluntarily left the highest position in the universe. He's in the perfection of heaven and, the, and, and glory with God. And he went to the lowest position on earth. In that lowest position, even to death, and not just death, but death on the cross, which was really the the lowest form of death. That's that was the you know slaves were were crucified. So um, at no point in that was he ever not fully God and not fully man. So kind of kind of a hard one for me to really get my mind around. But nevertheless, Jesus followed through with that. And I believe there's just no greater example than that right there. So if you want to open up your your, uh, Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, we're going to kind of focus on just a couple scriptures here in Philippians, and that's going to be about it. I found a lot of different scriptures, and I just, I was ping-ponging around trying to put it all together, and I said, okay, we're just going to focus on Philippians 2, and basically uh, verses 3 through 8, so... Um, and we'll start with, with verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Now that's the New King James Version, and, and um, that's what I'm, I'm working from here. So, you know, I, I realize that Paul's writing a letter to the Philippians, and he's, you know, he's proud of them for what they're doing. And he's encouraging them in fellowship. But I really think this has um, a great lesson for wherever you find yourself here 2,000 and some years later. And if we don't have to be um, in a disciplinary situation or in an edification situation, it just has a ton of application. And so if, if we want to, I'm going to look at the lowliness of mind. And, you know, this isn't the, the rah-rah kind of a message that that uh, maybe um, going to get us up out of our seats, but I think it's extremely important. And uh, you know, we'll just kind of go into it here and work through these verses. But the the I want to equate the lowliness of mind to the virtue of humility. And so, really, you know, humility is being humble, is lowliness in mind, but. That's, that's a basic definition. And the modern dictionary has its own definition. It's close. And it defines it as the quality or condition of being humble, a modest opinion or estimate of one's own importance or rank or, you know, etc. And he goes on to say, then, esteem others better than yourself while in lowliness of mind. So humility on, on top of humility. Getting the, getting the message here. So let me just take a little step back and make a, an admission of guilt here, if you will. Um, one, of the, one of the things I you know, thought might be easy to do is it's a great subject, been covered 
you know, many, many hundreds of times. I'll just jump on the internet and I'll find a message and I can read it to you. We can all go home. <laughs> so I did that. I, I went to sermoncentral.com and I found a sermon and I read through it. I thought, man, I could, I could juice this a little bit, change it here and change it there and, and uh, be great. Uh, but it's just really not allowing God to, uh, to use me. So I skipped that. <laughs> uh, so, so I think I want to share why God impressed on me the, the subject of humility. And, and really, it's a big struggle for me. Um, I, you know, I really, really crave a compliment from my boss or from my manager. And, um, you know, maybe it's not for everybody, but how, how difficult is it when one of your coworkers or a classmate or a teammate, when they get a pat on the back and... You know, you know you're working hard. You know you're doing a good job, and you're you're invisible. Man, that's hard. And that 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 grabs a hold of me, and and I don't like that. So I need to make that admission right up front. Um, I I really, you know, it's probably probably to the point of maybe I don't need counseling, but maybe I do. <laughs> But I struggle with that. You know, I, I, I recognize that my coworkers are doing, you know, great work. They're creative. They're inventive. And they take their job seriously. And they deserve a pat on the back. Doggone it, I do too. Well, how about it? Over here. So it, it just it really gets to me. And, and, and I believe the reason it does is pride, you know. And, and I... I, you know, I want to be known for a, a job well done, so it's not that kind of pride, but it's that, that pride of, of um, I'm better than you kind of pride. And I don't, I don't necessarily like that about myself, but, but that's really, I guess, why I'm up here and uh, sharing this message with you. So that's, that's, a, that's about as close as I'm going to get to sharing, you know, right to the heart and I I want to I want to say just for a second here that that my uh my family said you you can't talk about us we're off limits <laughs> so I'm going to honor that today I will tell you this though <clears throat> my my wife is is a gem you know, once once I shared with her that I was going to be preaching, and and then when I shared the subject of humility, she was quiet. She wasn't right in my hip pocket about it. She wasn't in my ear. Uh, but pretty soon there was a book sitting out on the bookshelf, and she just said, "Hey, I found this book," and she walked away. And I looked at it. And the title of the book is Humility. It's written by an author. His name's Andrew Murray. I think he's a fairly famous writer, but I hadn't heard of him before, so I looked at it, and I was reading my sermons.com and looking at it. So I, I, it's not a, not a thick book, but I started reading it, and I have to admit that 
I, I was not, you know, tracking with him. I was not getting it the first time I read it. It's, it's some pretty intense discussion on humility. And I had to read it and then put it down and then come back and then read it. And it's one of those books where man, I'm reading through and I get through a couple paragraphs and then my mind starts thinking about some other things. And then I come back and I read that again. I go, I don't remember reading that. So I know my memory's starting to fail a little bit, but, but I had the pleasure of probably reading it five times and I only really read it twice. But um, it's, it's a great book and I'll share a little bit more about that as we go along here. Um, so that's, that's a little bit about me and about what got us here today. And, and as we talk about humility, you know, the question comes to mind is, we all kind of have an idea. Some of us are a lot better at humility and understanding it than others. But, but wherever we're at is, is how, how can Jesus keep, uh, keep reaching out to us when we keep missing the point? Or maybe even worse, we just choose not to obey him. We choose not to be humble. Is that possible? So, so let's go back to Philippians 2 here, and, and we'll just jump to, to verse 5. Maybe this will help explain some of that. Is In verse 5 it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So it's a mind thing, right? It's a thought thing. Um, and then, and, and this is, a, this is a, an obey thing here. Pa- Paul is sharing some something about Jesus and it's uh, and the command is to renew your mind and proper thinking then produces right actions and and those actions are the fruit of our deepest thoughts so let's get that into our thinking process and let's turn those thoughts to Christ and then there'll be fruit so I'm, I'm encouraged by that I don't want to. I don't mean. I'm not, I don't want us to get the idea that that humility is that we're walking around with our head down, kicking a rock across the parking lot. It's not that at all. But but it, you know we'll, we'll keep going here. So and moving on to verse six and seven, it's is who being God in the form of God, or who, who being in the form of God, excuse me, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. So there's, there's probably volumes of text that could be written on, on those two verses. Um, but, it, but in summary, that's, that's the incarnation of Christ, right? He's leaving the glory of heaven, uh, coming to live on earth as a man in a most humble way, as a servant. No. So he didn't come as a king, a, a mighty warrior. Didn't he? Didn't you know the, the the Jewish community? They were looking for him, right? Prophesied, but they looked right past him. That can't be him. Um, and then, and then, and then the last verse here is verse eight. Um, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became 
obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So, kind of again, here, here's Jesus, who is fully God for, for all eternity, and then becoming fully man. So that's being found in appearance as man. Then here's Jesus willing to take on the role of servant. So I, I just really struggle with a, this juxtaposition of of being a, a God and then coming down to being a servant. And I may not get all the answers here on this earth, and I'm okay with that, but um, still, it's, it's, there's, there's nothing else anywhere in history books or anywhere else in, in, on earth where this happened or in heaven. So, so it's a big deal. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. And he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. So here, here, is, here is Jesus displaying that obedience. We talked a little bit about that, and that that's something that we don't have to we don't have to go it alone, if you will. We don't have to try to figure it out on our own. Jesus already showed us you know what that looks like, and then he died for our sins. so he was obedient not just in in leaving heaven, but he was obedient in finishing the job. And not just dying on the cross, but dying for us so that we can be presented to God without judgment. So it's, it's, it's a ton of information. It's a lot to, to, to talk about. But I want to move from this. Uh, this I just want to expand now on the, the actual verses we just talked about. And, and I want us to think about how do we. More, uh, more practically embrace humility. And even beyond that, it's getting to some of the deepest levels of humil- humility. And here's where some of it makes sense to me. And, and it's really about dying to self. And I, and I know most of you are very familiar with that. But you know, if you look at Jesus, he humbled himself ultimately all the way to his death. And that opened really the path for us to follow. That's the model. Not that we're going to, we don't have, we don't die and then get resurrected. That's, that's for Christ. But, but he showed us the seriousness of it. He surrendered all for the glory of the father. So it, it wasn't about Jesus, right? He, he, he's, he's not saying, Hey, it's about me. He says it's about God the Father. So a little bit more about dying to self. You can also think of that as just basically emptying yourself, emptying your soul, emptying your heart completely, uh, you know, reaching down to, a, to the lowest level of weakness and helplessness. Uh, even imagine, if you will, Water flows from high points into valleys, into low points. So imagine 
water finding all those low points and settling down deep and just emptying yourself through that. But be careful because when you do that, you are now open to anything, you know, heavenly and otherwise. So this, this is really to participate in emptying yourself to become an empty vessel for God to fill and nothing else. So that, that's the be careful part. But in, do, in doing that, you're, you're, that's the proof that your heart desires to be humble. And dying to self, there's, there's no more positive proof, no mark that says uh, that, that I'm of no reputation than to empty yourself and take the form of a servant. So, man, that, that's kind of a hopeless kind of a task, isn't it? Seems like it's all, all our responsibility now to do this. And this is the part that I really like about the conversation is now we're going we're gonna to move to say, hey, praise God, the work has been done, finished, and perfected forever. So the death of Christ once and forever is our own death to ourself. When you're truly empty... is when the fullness of Christ completely fills you. Sorry. <laughs> I was uh, taking this on as a student and really getting all the information. That's, that's the depth that I'm talking about. If you take nothing away from here today, take that away. That, that that true emptiness allows Christ to fulfill completely. Wow. You guys are still awake? <laughs> so I want to share kind of, kind of a, a couple of excerpts from Andrew Murray's book titled Humility. Thank you, honey. So now that's, that's the easy part here. So these are just some of my favorite sections of the book. And, that, and it's, a, it's an intense book, but boy, if you're, uh, if you're looking for something to read, it's only about 100 pages. It's, it's really good. So um, here's, here's the first, first one. It's a bit short, but it is pride that made redemption necessary. It is from our pride that we need, above everything, to be redeemed. I had this weird thought. We all know the, uh, the little saying that says, pride cometh before fall. And maybe that's in, in the scripture, but maybe it's just something that somebody, somebody said, but you know what? Why don't you just go ahead and fall? 
Christ will pick you up. All right, here's another one. If humility is the root of a tree, its nature must be seen in every branch, leaf, and fruit. If humility is the first, the all-inclusive grace of the life of Jesus, the secret of his atonement, then the health and strength of our spiritual lives will depend entirely upon our putting this grace first. We must make humility the chief thing we admire in Christ, the one thing for which we sacrifice all else. And then uh, I've got the one other one that I really liked in the book was, Dear Believer, Study the humility of Jesus. This is the secret, the hidden root of your redemption. Sink down into it more deeply day by day. Believe with your whole heart that Christ, whom God has given us, will work in us, making us what the Father wants us to be. That's a lot. I mean, I had to read that and read that. And I'm going to close with, uh, with a prayer that's at the end of the book. And it's, it's a good one, so pray with me if you will. Um, Lord, I pray that of your great goodness you would make known to me and take from my heart every kind and form and degree of pride, whether it be from evil spirits or my own corrupt nature, and that you would awaken in me the deepest depth and truth of the humility that can make me capable of your light and Holy Spirit. Amen. And that, folks, is my message on humility. So if, you, if you'll please refrain from any, any uh, pats on the back or anything, I'd, I'd appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you all.